0: What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 213. Who cares? I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, so we are only, as, as we're recording this, three days from the Eagles' week one matchup in Atlanta against the Atlanta Falcons. Brandon, how you doing, buddy?
1: Jimmy, how could I not be excited? when we are just days away from the Philadelphia Eagles actually playing a real football game that matters. There will be some fans, a lot of fans, I'm guessing, in the stands. It'll be a real football game in a real football environment. Uh, not as good as the link, obviously, in Philly, but still a uh, classic road game environment down there in Atlanta when the Eagles play the Falcons. And before we get to that, I mean, we're going to have the Cowboys lose to the Buccaneers tonight. Now, I'm kind of risking this by You, the listener, listen to this after maybe the opposite has happened. But I feel very confident. I feel good in our Bucs beating the Cowboys tonight. So I am excited for the NFL season to be here. Jimmy, how are you feeling?
0: I am also excited for the season to be here. Um, It's going to be fun with the fans being back because, like, all last season, I mean, there were were, little pockets of fans Um, in my travels on the road. And the Eagles even had some fans, like, was the most they had, like 7,500, I think, uh, at any one game last year. So, um, it'll be good to have everyone back. They're lucky that last year was the year that fans weren't there because, I mean, they'd have been getting booed out of the stadium, uh, regularly, uh, especially as the, as the season sort of wore on last year. So, uh, anyway, it'll be good to have everyone back, uh, in the stadium once again. And, uh, first, I guess we'll, we'll, uh, start with, uh, some new, some news items before we get into the Eagles Falcons matchup. And I guess the, the first thing would be that. Well, before uh, that, Jimmy,
1: I have a very important announcement to make to oh, you. And that yes. is BGN Radio this year, sponsored <laughs> by Right Fell Craft Jerky. You can go get some by going to, right to com and using discount code BGN 15 for 15% off. Okay. Now, uh, Jimmy, please get into. The news that we have. So three guys went on IR, uh, after 53 man cut downs. They were offensive lineman Jack Driscoll, which
0: was a little bit of a surprise, uh, cornerback Josiah Scott. And as everyone already knew, uh, Tyree Jackson was going to be out for the first five, six, seven, eight, seven games, whatever, uh, to start the season. Uh, Driscoll's a little concerning in my opinion because he, you know, had injury issues last year. Like he left several games, uh, during the game last year, most notably. Uh, with, uh, an MCL sprain that ended a season, uh, at the end of the year last year. So, um, not great that he's on IR. What, what was he? A peck, I think, peck injury. And then, uh, Josiah Scott got hurt in the final preseason game. Uh, he is gonna be out, uh, for at least the first three weeks on IR uh because he's out well actually we'll get back to that in a second but Tyree Jackson we already knew of course uh with the back injury he suffered during practice against the uh, Patriots and uh after Josiah Scott got put on IR the Eagles actually signed two different cornerbacks uh actually they listed um one of them as a safety and as a slot corner uh that's Andre Sacheray. did I say that correctly uh who they picked up from should have my notes in front of me here on this one. They claimed, <laughs> Who's practice squad you know, they
1: claimed him. Well, they claimed, oh, claimed Sasseray was on the Indianapolis Colts ah, roster. Right. Okay. But they waived him because they made, uh, they had a couple claims of their own that they got, and I guess guys that they really wanted. So they yes. had to create some room for those guys ultimately, or had to do so a little bit later to kind of do some roster maneuvering and claimed Sasseray, who spent time with Jonathan Gannon in, in Indianapolis last year when he was on their practice squad and apparently had a good training camp, according to Colts reporters. Multiple We Colts made the reporters.
0: team initially. Yeah.
1: Yes. So he,
0: he had the the old mind F where you make the team and, <laughs> and you think you're good to go. And then you get, uh, you get waved like a day or two later. So like, uh, tough to be in that situation for him. And then they, of course, uh, signed, uh, Mac McCain off of waivers from the Denver Broncos. Um, so, you know, no, he was
1: off their practice squad. Oh, practice, excuse he me. I signed him off the, yeah. off
0: the practice squad. Yeah. Uh, not a great start to the pot for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the other news, if you want to call it that, um, Uh, that came out of this past week uh, after our latest post 53-man roster, uh, you know, initial 53-man roster pod was uh, Dallas Goddard spoke with the media and um, he seemed disappointed that uh, talks, he said talks had sort of broken off between he and the team uh, for a contract extension. He had said earlier during camp that, you know, he and, you know, he and his agents uh, were speaking with the Eagles about a contract extension, but they have since stopped. So, He's in the final year of his deal. Uh, Zach Ertz is unexpectedly still on the roster. Um, so that's a weird situation they have going on at tight end. And uh, how, what do you think about who's going to be – who do you think will get more snaps week one against the Falcons? What do you think will be, Goddard or Ertz?
1: Well, they're listed as co-starters, Jimmy. Yes. The so therefore, <laughs> they're going to split everything exactly – no. Um, and, and I think it's going to be Ertz, right? You think so? Like, okay. I got Goddard on that one. Okay. I mean, it's tough because, like, just because Ertz has obviously been here, Hertz, Jalen Hurts liked throwing to Zach mm-hmm. Ertz a lot in camp. Um, I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a huge gap, to be clear. We're kind of, I think, splitting hairs a little bit with this question. I mean, it's a fair question for you to ask. I'm just saying I don't think the number is going to be drastically different. Um, But it's a weird situation to me, and I think there's a little bit to unpack here in terms of, at least from my read on it, like the timing of this all. Because this Dallas Goddard press conference happened, what, just like, Less than a week after we heard from Zach Ertz Mm -hmm. finally, and Zach Ertz talked about how, uh, that like there have been apologies and fences mended. So like, I wanted to ask him this. I don't think I didn't get the opportunity to get caught on. I was like, what were some of those things? You know, what exactly had to be mended? And it's just weird to me that all of a sudden, like Zach Ertz is good and wants to talk to the media and everything. And at the same time, Dallas Goddard's like, well, we're not talking about contract extensions anymore. And then throughout that, I had seen a note from Albert Breer, and uh, his, you know, he does like a Monday morning quarterback piece every week, but then he does like a Monday afternoon quarterback thing, like he follows up like a quicker post later in that day. Mm-hmm. And he had something in there, like a league-wide, you know, thing, and there was something in there about Goddard, and there was like a note that was about said something to the effect of like Zach Hertz is only like four years older than Dallas Goddard. And like, I know (laughs) that up himself, but (laughs) like, I don't think I I I could be reading this wrong, but I don't think that was just him opining as much as that was like a talking point relayed to him by someone from the Eagles and like kind of almost setting the table for like them actually not keeping Dallas Goddard and like extending Zacherts instead. So maybe I'm reading into it too much if you want to believe that. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. And we continue to hear. Uh, so what, not only the the talks breaking off, but there was also that report that came out last week from I think I mentioned from Matt Lombardo about how like the the Vikings had shown interest in Dallas Goddard, and then he had also included something which Tim McManus also included in his piece today about Zach Ertz and da- as I heard and Dallas Goddard about Goddard's name coming up in Deshaun Watson trade talks in the past. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I don't know. I think McLean that had mentioned that too. Did you say, Did you say McLean? He, he well he did early in training yeah. camp. He did it like very speculatively. He kind of just like threw it out there without even saying he had heard that as much as just like kind of just totally threw it out there and posited it as speculation. But I mean, we've heard enough on that front to kind of think like, okay, there's maybe something there. So I guess my, my read on that is like, to me, it's not like a hundred percent chance. They signed Dallas Goddard turn extension and 0% they signed Zach Ertz. I, I don't think it's like quite that definitive. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh,
0: you know, the idea of signing Zach Ertz to a contract extension is mind blowing to me that you would do that at, at this stage of his career He's going into, I guess, this, what is this, his ninth season, uh, with the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, and this, by the way, it's not surprising in the slightest that he's only four that he's even you know, quote unquote only four years older than him. He was drafted in twenty thirteen. Dallas Goddard was drafted in twenty eighteen. So they're drafted five years apart. It's not that surprising that they're only four years different stage. Like that's not like really that that interesting of a tidbit. Uh, by the way, four years is like a significant amount of time. So it's not like it's not like four years is nothing. Like that's a, right. that's that's an eternity in the NFL. So um, anyway, whatever. Um, it, it just it, it does seem that Dallas Goddard is available though. Um, if, you know, teams had interest in him, which, uh, I get like maybe his contract you know, contract demands are, um, you know, out of whack and a lot of tight ends got paid good money, uh, this offseason that have, you know, similar or even worse, uh, production. Like Jonu Smith, for example, got, got paid by the Patriots. Goddard has better production than him over his first three years in the league. So, uh, and he's also a very good blocker as, as we know. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I'm sure that like it's not like this bargain bin asking price from Goddard's side. And uh, I guess we'll just have to see how that shakes out. But if he is if his asking price is too high, then I get it. Yeah, I mean, like if you, and you can get something for him now, as opposed to just having him walk in for agency at the end of the year, then I, I do kind of uh, understand the logic on trying to trade him for something
1: really disappointing though i mean yeah oh, for sure guy yeah he's the successor and <laughs> he's like right. the guy and, and he's, and he's actually chance-
0: good too like
1: it's not yeah. like he like you he, he's like one yeah. of their better draft picks over the last four or five years one of the team's few good young players at least has been for a while mm. in terms of proven i think they have a little bit more than they did in the past or at least so people down on him
0: though on goddard you kind of okay. sense that too or no um
1: Not as, like, you know, as he's a bum or anything, but I think kind of just questioning, like, is he truly, like, an elite-level tight end? And that was part of why the argument has been here, at least to, like, trade Zach Ertz or get rid of Zach Ertz is because I want to see what Goddard can do as a full season as, like, the volume primary target number one tight end. So that's a little frustrating. I think maybe
0: some of that stems from, you know, we've seen Zach Ertz and what he's done over the last, you know, eight years or whatever. And, um, you know, there's an argument to be made that he was one of the top three tight ends in the NFL uh, fairly recently. So, um, you know, sort of a difficult benchmark <laughs> for Goddard to live up to. Whereas, like, you compare him to other tight ends around the league, I think, you know, you take him over most of the league's starters there.
1: Um, So you think Goddard's going to play more than Ernst in week one?
0: I do. I, I think uh, it'll be close, but... Um, I I don't think Goddard's going to leave the field much at all because he can be a factor in the passing game and the run game. So, uh, whereas Ertz is really, I mean, it's not like he, you know, he doesn't block at all, but he's more, obviously more of a factor in the passing game than he is in the run game. By the way, like, I'm kind of over. These two tight end sets, (laughs) like it's just a very boring brand of football, in my opinion. And, uh, with what the Eagles have in these three young receivers in Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Jalen Rager, like I want to see those guys play. I don't want to see those guys like not getting, uh, snaps because they're losing them to two tight end sets in the same way that, like, I didn't think that, like, it made a lot of sense for them to bring in, like, a veteran receiver to, you know, take snaps away from them. I don't think it makes sense for, you know, one of these two tight ends to take snaps away from, from, from
1: them either. So
0: um,
1: I don't think they really want to do what they've done in past years where they've led the, I think, you know, part of them having so much 12 personnel usage in years past was part of the receivers just being really bad and unplayable. Like, I don't think that was like totally a hundred percent by design, but it probably was more so with Doug Peterson than Sirianni. I know people like to say like the Colts had a lot of 12 personnel, but like, not as nearly as much as the Eagles. And look at Sirianni's background. He's a wide receiver guy. He loves right, he right. wide receivers. He played wide receiver. Like he loves receivers. He you think he wants to not have those guys on the field. Like he loves those guys. He wants those guys on the field. So I think we are going to see more 11 than we did in the past, which is uh Please, hopefully, because they just ran so much twelve it was like an um the obnoxious is the word I would use to describe how much twelve personnel they use like that's I think that's the the fitting word for how much they ran but um uh, and I think yeah.
0: like that that eleven personnel um will open up a lot of things in the run game for them too, because you have those three guys with the speed, and um you know you can't have safeties creeping up to the line of scrimmage and, and sitting in the, you can't have like eight guys in the box against three fast receivers like that, you risk you know having the ball thrown over your head. And uh, with that speed on the outside combined with, you know, legitimate running quarterback in Jalen Hurts and legitimate running, like, 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 very talented running back in Miles Sanders, like, I, I think the, I, that's like the offense that I, like, it's a nice combination. Like, I wouldn't build my, like, I wouldn't choose to build a roster uh, on a run heavy approach, but with what the personnel is, like, I do think that, like, they can be very successful on the ground with, with uh, Hurts and with
1: Sanders. And with those, you know, fast receivers on the outside, keeping defenses honest. Yeah, my, my last point on this is like, I want to be clear and say that like 12 personnel, I don't think it's an abomination and should never be used at all. Right. That's not the it's point. It's a nice tool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tool in the toolbox. You can't be your bread and butter. Like that's, I don't know if I'm mixing metaphors there, but that's, um, that's, it shouldn't be like your, your staple. Uh, I think if you can use it effectively. And I think the goal before the 2019 season, as we've talked about before, was like being able to, theory at least, was being able to flip between 11 and personnel, mm-hmm. uh, depending on different matchups and things. I mean, that's ideal if you can do that. I think that maybe isn't like totally realistic, but I think you kind of, especially in terms of like how much resource uh, allocation you're doing. So I think just in general, you're not going to be able to pay big money to two tight ends over the long term. Um, But that's a whole different discussion. I just think uh, I'd like to see more of a balance is the point of what I'm saying. Just more of a balance between 11 and 12. I think that would be nice. Uh, Jimmy, we have some other news to talk about. And that is the Eagles releasing their first injury report on mm-hmm. Wednesday. They'll release two more, one today. Good Wednesday. to have them back. Ha- good to have them back. <laughs> their final one on Friday. The Falcons' injury report, very light, by the way. They only have one player, Brandon Copeland, on there. And uh, he's like limited. He's like a backup linebacker for them. So the Falcons are really healthy. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, though, aren't like super far off. They only have four players on their injury report. And they were all limited. So every player on the Eagles roster practiced at least a little bit on the 53 man roster. Obviously not the IR people. Um, so the four people on, uh, limited, Jimmy, were who? Uh, Brandon Brooks, who was the new addition. We'll get to him
0: in a minute. He was a surprise addition. Uh, Landon Dickerson, of course. Uh, Rodney McLeod, who, you know, was still recovering from his ACL tear. And Davion Taylor, who missed most of uh, training camp with that calf injury, so like those, th- no surprises uh, among Dickerson, uh, McLeod, and Taylor. But Brooks was a little mild surprise, and that he was on there. Uh, was it McManus that reported that uh, it, uh, you know, is more just precautionary? Is the wrong way to put it, but just like managing him is. What yeah, he phrased yeah, it. he's not really. He'll, he's very, very likely to play on Sunday against the Falcons. So. um yeah. I mean, this is like the healthiest that we've seen them heading into a season. Like we've mentioned that, you know, like last year, heading into week one, they're, they were without Lane Johnson, Miles Sanders, uh, Andre Dillard, who was originally going to be the starting left guard or left tackle. Um, uh, Derek Barnett didn't play week one. Hargrave, uh, I don't the, think he played Jay, week one. Javon Hargrave didn't play. Uh, I mean, there's just a whole slew of guys and they lost that game and then they lost a lot more thereafter. So like they're heading into the season with, uh, with, uh, pretty much every starter expected to play with the exception of uh, McLeod, who was, you know, it was weird. So, like, Darius Slay spoke a couple days Mm -hmm. ago, and he had, like, a weird comment, like, you know, Rodney worked so hard to get back, and but you know the NFL rules. And, like, did he
1: just think that, like, McLeod was still on the pup list or something? That's what Eagles PR had (laughs) kind of intimated, that there was confusion there. But, like, I don't know. That's weird that he said that. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, he's limited. That doesn't – so, like – and he didn't practice in training camp at all. So I think it's kind of fair to wonder if McLeod is like definitely going to play on Sunday against the Falcons. And even if he does, like, does he play 100% of the snaps? Because usually when Rodney's out there, like, he's playing the entire game. He's like one of the only players yeah. on the entire team, offense or defense, who's like playing the entire game. And he's had a role in special teams on the past, too. Um So, like, maybe do they try to, like limit him a little bit do they really play him like the full amount is he going to be full all the way back like so I think that's kind of one to uh look at still and obviously you know you're kind of not feeling amazing about the options behind him if he's not playing because it's Kayvon Wallace who was all banged up in training camp and really didn't like show anything that showed like he's making this big leap from year one to year two and Marcus Epps who I kind of think like is what he is which is kind of like a nice, you know, fine, like whatever, fourth or fifth, like acceptable fourth or fifth safety or whatever, but you don't really want him playing a majority of the snaps. Um, You're limited with
0: what you can do with him. He's just a deep safety only. Like he's a bad tackler. He does have like some ball skills, um, but he's, you don't want him, like you're not going to use him in a a lot of different ways. Uh, Whereas with McLeod, you can play him deep or you can move him up. Uh, Same thing with Anthony Harris. So
1: like he makes you a little bit uh, less diverse of a defense. Uh, and then, yeah, with Brooks, obviously, I think we both think he'll play, but still not like great that this guy who hasn't played football, Jimmy, it'll be 623 days from Brandon Brooks' last football game when he plays this Sunday. He didn't, he hasn't played since late, uh, December 2019. That's crazy to think about. Um, so not like amazing that he's on the report, not the end of the world, but it's like, I prefer not to see him on there. And Dickerson, I, I'm guessing he's not even going to be active because, I mean, or maybe he will, but I don't think he's like in line to play. If one of the top like guards or one of the top interior guys get out, gets out because he hasn't even had, again, Mm -hmm. he didn't practice at all in training camp. He's only limited now. He's not even doing full stuff. So I can't even imagine like, especially center. I can't imagine like he's ready to just play center, (laughs) like right away and make the calls and everything. Yeah. Um, so I guess that wraps it up for
0: for the injuries. Like I think they're, uh, they're you know, like I said, they're they're in better position this year than. They, and that was the, obviously their focus during training camp. Their biggest, you know, uh, priority was coming out of uh, training camp in the preseason with with a healthy team. Uh, now it remains to be seen if you know these hour and 15 minute practices. will have them prepared enough for the regular season. But uh, I I think that certainly you'd rather be in this position uh, with just
1: these four guys who are limited in practice uh, as opposed to all the guys they were missing last year this time. Well, Jimmy, why don't we go to break? But before we do, let me tell you about Righteous Villain Craft Jerky, which you can go get for yourself by going to RighteousVillain.com. Now you're wondering, why am I always plugging Righteous Villain Craft Jerky? Well, gentle listeners, in the phrases of Michael Kiss. They're delicious. uh, They're delicious. Uh, everyone loves them who has tried them there's so many different flavors they are the meat snacks that your philadelphia eagles eat that's right righteous Fallen craft jerky is at the nova care complex for players to snack on and jimmy if Eagles are going to have a good year. I think it's because they're actually loading up on their Righteous Felon craft jerky. Unlike last year, when we know they weren't having as much of it. An underrated storyline this year, in my opinion. No one covered that. Nobody's talking about it. It's crazy to me. It's wild. So make sure you're in lockstep (laughs) with the birds and get some Righteous Felon craft jerky at RighteousFelon.com. You want to use discount code BGN15, so you get 15% off your order. It's great. So go do that, and we will be back after this. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, we're changing things up a little bit this year. We usually, in the past, in our preview show, kind of did like a offense- slash defense preview of the eagles upcoming matchup each week kind of wanted to change things up a little bit let us know if you hate the format if you like the format you can tweet at us at branding out and jimmy kemsky you could tell us that you have no opinion on the format that's cool too um (laughs) i'm totally indifferent on it i just wanted to reach out and let you know uh so what we're gonna do jimmy we're gonna go three reasons for optimism about the upcoming game and then three reasons for concern or pe- pessimism. I guess if you really want to go the opposite, but I'm going to say concern. So I actually have a lot of reasons for optimism in this game. Well, that's fine. But we're Jimmy. <laughs> but look, we're going to limit it to three. <laughs> look, this isn't this isn't like the minor leagues, Jimmy. This is the big leagues. This okay. you know, big J journalist here, objective, <laughs> definitely objective, <laughs> yes. definitely not rooting for the Eagles ever. Even though it's called Bleeding Green Nation, this is this is serious stuff, Jimmy. So. Uh, why don't you give us a reason for optimism to start it off since you have so many yeah so i mean just taking my initial look at the
0: falcons as a team uh, a week or two ago i mean their roster stinks <laughs> like i mean they have like matt ryan who is still a good quarterback in my opinion like he's still like borderline like top 12 kind of quarterback um they calvin ridley's fine they have you know dynamic tight end in kyle pitts um Grady Jarrett, I think, is a good defensive tackle. thereafter, like, they have, and Deion Jones is a good linebacker. Thereafter, like, they got nothing. And, like, their biggest, uh, concern area heading into this game is, uh, the interior of their offensive line, which, um, first of all, their regular starting left guard was going to be Josh Andrews, uh, who we didn't mention during the, uh, uh, injury report just now. He's not on their injury report. He's on IR because he broke his hand. Um, like a day or two after 53 uh, man cutdown so he's going to be out at least 3 weeks but the idea that he was even starting for them it's just like wild to me like he's the guy you remember like he had a couple different stints with the Eagles uh during the Chip Kelly years and then uh, even into the Doug Peterson years um but he's out so like the guy who couldn't beat him out um during training camp as a rookie. It was a third round pick whose name is escaping me. Let me just look it up here real quick. Jalen Mayfield. Jalen Mayfield uh, will play left guard uh, in, uh, in Josh Andrews absence. And then at center, uh, some of you may remember, uh, Matt Hennessy from the mm. 2020 NFL draft. He was a local product out of Temple. Uh, he went in the third round that, uh, uh, last year. And, uh, was forced into action at guard, uh, at times last year. And then at the end of the year, uh, their center, uh, again whose name is escaping me right now got hurt and he had to fill in for him uh at center did not go well like either at guard or center he did not play well so he's their starting center heading into this season and one of the strengths of the eagles overall is their defensive tackles with uh Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave who had a killer camp uh this year and then of course Milton Williams who showed uh that he can do some things uh as their third round pick this year they have to dominate the inside uh, they, they, they have to dominate the, the interior of the Falcons offensive line in this game, uh, create pressure, uh, up the middle against Matt Ryan. Because I think from what we've seen, uh, out of Matt Ryan offenses, offenses is that they, they like to get ball, they like to get the ball out quickly. And, uh, if they can get that immediate pressure up the middle, uh, then I think that'll hamper what, what Matt Ryan sort of is going to have to do in this game, uh, with, with that weak offensive line. So that is my biggest, Uh, reason for optimism heading into this game is that there is a severe mismatch, in my opinion, between
1: Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave against the interior of this Falcons offensive line. I agree with you. That could almost be like the entire game in terms of like why you feel confident about Mm -hmm. the Eagles winning. Like you just feel so confident the Eagles are going to like dominate that matchup. Um, I think it's a good point by you. Uh, I will go with concern. I don't like being painted into this corner that I'm negative because I'm really never negative about the Eagles to me. But I think it's that kind of I don't know what exactly to make of Matt Ryan because it's it's weird. Like I feel like we don't really you know there's not a lot of juice to be had with Matt Ryan. But like you said, like I mean I think you can argue he's even like back end of the top ten um, or okay. just outside of it. You had him like top twelve, so, like he's around there. I was looking at different rankings, um, like for example uh, five thirty eight, which had some crazy rankings by the way. But uh, just throwing it out there, he was fifteenth in theirs uh, by ESPN's F uh, FPI Football Power Index. He was ninth by DVOA. Uh, he was 13th. And then if you look at like PFF grade last year, Matt Ryan is actually their 11th uh, offensive rated quarterback, if you include passing and running in there. So I know, like the one that uh, Mike Sando does, by the way, Oh uh, yeah, the, the athletic word. He, he like
0: pulls uh, front office people across. The, he gets like a lot of people to, to participate in that.
1: I think they had him 12th. Okay. Yeah. So he's like around there. Um, not anyone that makes you like shaking your boots, but he's not like, you know, just objectively like bad. Um, so it's kind of a weird thing, but I think the Falcons passing attack with him is something for the U.S. to kind of be concerned about just from if they, if the protection can hold up. I mean, I know they traded Julio Jones, which is weird to me, but they have pieces there. Like Calvin Ridley, I think, is a really good receiver. Russell Gage, I think, is underrated and hasn't gotten a lot of hype, but Mm -hmm. I think he can kind of step up. And I think his development is part of why the Falcons did have some comfort level in getting rid of Julio. And then, obviously, Kyle Pitts is a monster. Now, you know, we didn't necessarily want the Eagles to draft him, but that was more about, like, a fit thing and everything. But, like... I mean, he's a beast. Just, just watch the guy play. Just yeah. watch him play. And uh, I think you have the whole Philadelphia narrative there. I'm sure he wants to show up big, not only in his first NFL game, but against his uh, his NFL sure. city as well, a team that he probably you know rooted for growing up. Uh, so I think that's that's a scary trio of those three guys. Pitts, um,
0: in the last season at Florida, uh, eight games, uh, 770 yards. Uh, I think he had, I'm going to say, 12 touchdowns. Extrapolate that over like what a normal college football season would be, like thirteen games, and uh, you know you are looking at like twelve fifty receiving yards and twenty touchdowns. So like he was awesome last year, and not only that, like he was he like he would often face like the best corners in the SEC, like J.C. Horn and you know the the, the Alabama uh, cornerbacks, and like he like he just he 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 beat anyone that uh that that covered him last year. So um, yeah, I mean he's he's tight ends don't tend to start out great in the NFL. It's a difficult position to have immediate success, but if there's a guy that can do that heading into the NFL, like this is the guy, like, I mean, we're talking about the fourth overall pick. So in in like a loaded quarterback class. So, you know, for, for them to, for the Falcons to just say, now, you know what, we're not going to take a quarterback, even though our quarterback is 36 years old, we're going to take this guy. I think that kind of tells you what kind of talent he has. What's your next reason for optimism? All right. So, uh, I would say that, um, well, first of all, the, the Eagles offensive line, uh, as we noted already, 17 or, excuse me, 14 different combinations last year. They're fully healthy, you know, from, from left to right. Mylada, uh, Sam Milo, Kelsey, we expect Brandon Brooks to play and then Lane Johnson. Falcons pass rush, garbage. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you like look at their front seven and the, their front seven has a, has a combined, like 464 career games played, they have 73 career sacks combined. And like, so like 464 career games, like combined, like these aren't just young guys that like, just haven't piled up a lot of sacks over their careers. Like these guys average, like uh I think their average age is 20, like right around 27 years old Um, and 73 career sacks for their front seven. Like you just compare that to Eagles, to the Eagles, for example, like, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, has like a hundred sacks <laughs> over his career. Brandon Graham has, uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, you know, both have over 50. I know that. I think Brandon Graham is, is over 70 something, uh, for, for his career. So, I mean, just, they, they just don't have anything, uh, as far as a pass rush goes. They're probably their best pass rusher is, uh, is probably Dante Fowler on the edge. Mm. And then Grady Jarrett is a guy who, Actually kind of tore apart <laughs> like Isaac, yeah. uh, Isaac Sayamalo a couple years ago. But, um, you know, I wouldn't expect a repeat of that and they can give him some extra attention if need be. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, the Eagles can dominate on the interior of their defensive line on that side of the ball. And then on the other side of the ball, I think that they should be able to give Jalen Hurts, uh, well, for a give Jalen Hurts, uh, a, a lot of time to throw. And I also think that they'll be able to open up holes, uh, in the run game. Like the run game I thought was sort of like, um, uh, an area that they, they showed that they are really effective during training camp um, and, and even during those joint practices. So, like, uh, I, I think that uh, just as a whole, the Eagles can absolutely dominate on both sides of the ball in the trenches.
1: All right. Why don't you give me a reason for a negative? Because you've had two positives so far. I okay. So, uh,
0: I guess my concern would be, you know, who's the safety? <laughs> like, who's the safety opposite, opposite Anthony Harris? Um, because... Even if McLeod plays, first of all, like, you know, we, we sort of harped on this, like, way back, like, in, like, our, like, early podcasts, um, where McLeod was coming back from uh, an ACL tear, uh he tore his ACL in the, uh, the 2018 season, and then in 2019, like, he wasn't, he, like, he was culpable for a lot of big plays allowed, and granted, like, they played a lot of, like, you know, um, single high safety and he was responsible for covering a lot of ground uh in that jim schwartz defense that probably didn't play to his strengths uh nevertheless he was culpable for a lot of those big plays and just didn't look you know very good 2020 before he got hurt like he looked significantly better he looked faster he looked you know more spry quick agile whatever um until he got hurt obviously and then his season was over so um which McLeod are we going to get back when, when he comes back? Are we going to get the 2019 version that looked a little slower or the 2020 version who was an extra year removed from his initial ACL tear, uh, who looked, uh, who, you know, looked like, you know, an above average starting safety once again. So, uh, that's concerned. concern. And then if he can't go, Who's going to start? It's going to be Kayvon Wallace. It's going to be Marcus Epps. And they both have their flaws. Like I mentioned earlier, Epps is just uh, a deep safety only. I kind of lean toward them going with him as the starter, uh, as mm. opposed to Wallace, who, um, is, you know, more, I guess, um, uh, Fox. Yeah. I mean, well, he can, he, he can do more. I think he can certainly play in the box better than, uh, Epps can, but I don't think that should be really their concern against the Falcons, Um, uh, you know, rushing attack. It's, I mean, they're, they're starting running back as Mike Davis. And, you know, we already mentioned like their, their interior offensive lines are very good. So I don't know how much, you know, they're going to be able to run the football as it is. So I would lean toward Epps starting, but nevertheless, like that spot would be my, would
1: be my biggest concern defensively if I'm the Eagles. McCloud is 31 now too as opposed to a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when you were talking about struggling a little bit he was 29 then so you know he's older it's another ACL injury so definitely things to worry about um my positive I'll go with the positive for the Eagles here I'm looking at the Falcons secondary Jimmy yes. and AJ Terrell they're starting and Fabian Moreau who like couldn't cut it in Washington basically and didn't want to keep him uh are they starting corners and then you have Eric Harris and Deron Harmon, who I believe is on his third team in three years, you know, going from the Patriots is he the to the the guy Lions. that
0: picked off Foles in the Super Bowl?
1: On the bobble? Yeah. <laughs> yeah on the, on the, yes, I believe it was on, uh, you know, the past that Alshon, uh, like, yeah, bobble. You, you kind of um, kept it alive and it popped right into Deron Harmon's yeah. hands. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking at that secondary. I'm also seeing Stephen Means is starting for them. Uh, is this a starting outside linebacker? I love Stephen Means. But, yeah. like. Yeah, but that's weird because he's above, uh, he's above Dante Fowler on their depth chart. Oh, is Um, he? Okay. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on there. Uh, but that doesn't sound right to me, but I I guess we'll see. I mean, I like Steven Means, so I, nothing against him, but I'm just saying probably not ideally a starter on like a really great team. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that secondary just doesn't scare me at all. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to have some success here in the passing game. I feel like with these cornerbacks like there should be some big plays who is stopping them from making like really really big plays like there there has to be uh so I'm looking at that as a positive I will flip to a negative Jimmy uh to I guess round us out here unless you have another one but uh I think for Well actually emphasis, do, do you mind if
0: I had just one quick note on the uh yeah, the, go ahead. the the, the uh, defensive backs that you noted so like uh you mentioned Eric Harris and Duran Harmon are their starting safeties like they both signed one year deals. Harris for 1.3 million, Harmon for under a million. And then maybe Moreau signed and for one from year And both that bad defenses, mind you. Like <laughs> Eric Harris coming from the Raiders and DeRon Harmon coming yes. from the Lions. And then Moreau signed a one year deal also for under a million. So they have like three, three guys. The way that I put it in my, in my article is that they got like three guys from Dollar Tree <laughs> and like they're starting in their secondary. So, uh, if there is like a, a defensive backfield that, you know, is sort of primed for you know getting ripped apart um it's them and you know the i think like this is a perfect opponent for you know these these young these three young eagles wide receivers uh to play against we go and then their, their other corner is uh, aj terrell who they drafted in the first round uh in 2020 he was okay it wasn't great as yeah. you know, he's just okay as a rookie uh, a year ago so yeah i mean the, the if they're going to get – like if these three Eagles young receivers are going to have success this year, then this is like the perfect team for them to face week one.
1: Build some confidence.
0: Perhaps. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah.
1: So that's the the positive I have. Negative I have – well, I kind of have two, uh, which is cheating, but – uh and they're not related, but one, I am looking at something the Eagles are trying to do more in theory, and that is get the ball to so the running backs. I feel like we all have talked about mm-hmm. that as being an emphasis of Nick Sirianni's offense for as far as we know, which we haven't even seen yet. Um and the fact that, you know, you have Dion Jones here and Aloequan. Kwan. Aloekon? Kwan? Uh very hard name to say. But <laughs> Obviously, I think both of those guys can cut it in terms of like, it's it's been an emphasis, at least in the past. Falcons have valued these linebackers who can cover. So I kind of yeah. wonder if that could neutralize the Eagles, uh, running, uh, back, pa- pass catching game a little bit. And also Eagles might be doing a little bit of self sabotage if they're bringing up Jordan Howard, which they seem to be doing because they placed the protection on him on the practice squad. So it seems like Jordan Howard will be in the mix to some extent. And obviously just Miles Sanders, like not having full confidence in him in terms of drops and everything. I feel like the Eagles should kind of want to see what Miles Sanders can do in the passing game early in the season and like test out if those drops are going to carry over. But like there could be some growing pains there and it could, there could be some mistake making and being like, okay, well this is happening in the games too. Uh, we can't keep doing this. We're going to have to switch it over to Kenny Gainwell more and more. Um, so we'll see if that shakes out that way, but that's just a thought of mine. And then the other quick point, it's not, it's a special teams thing. So I don't want to make it like a whole thing, but Cordero Patterson to me is like the best oh, kick right. returner yes. in the NFL. So like yes. that's that's a big deal because <laughs> he is. could break he could break off a kick return for a touchdown or give some really good field position and that could be, you know, it could be a one-score game and then you lose. So that's just something to watch. Who were the other
0: uh I didn't see the protections. Who were the other ones other than Jordan Howard that they protected? So it was LaRaven
1: Clark who okay. obviously makes sense. had some interest from other teams. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that before, so that makes sense. And it was also Eliza Riley, who I think is the other guy who will get mm-hmm. elevated along with Jordan Howard because he can help out in special teams and give the team, the Eagles, some more depth at safety. Yes. It's not even clear if McLeod is playing. And even if he is, he just wants that extra body there just in case. And then the final one was John Hightower instead of Travis Fulgham. A little interesting, maybe, okay. because they could have protected Fulgham if he thought he was a commodity, but the Eagles don't really seem to think that's the case. So, okay. The uh, any, great any Denise
0: things? Selman, I think, made the point yeah.
1: that they like.
0: Uh, they protected Howard a lot <laughs> like during the season, like after they acquired him from uh, Miami last year. Yeah, it made no <laughs> sense at all. <laughs> right. I think it was like four or five times they protected him last year. So I don't, whatever. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, anyway, uh, one one other thing that I'll note, uh, this isn't necessarily a, a, a positive or a negative, um, but we're going to get to see what the schemes look like for the first time. Yep. I mean, we got to, we got a little glimpses of it here and there in training camp. Like they showed more in practices than they did in the preseason games. Um, but we're going to get to see like what, not only like what their schemes are, but also like what is their identity. And, uh, I think, um, offensively is sort of the, the bigger, uh, thing in that, on that front in that, like, you know, we, we've said over and over again, and we even said it earlier in the podcast, uh, that, um, you know, they probably, their personnel is set up for a run heavy attack, uh, to be determined if that's what they'll be. <laughs> so like, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's obviously with any new coaching staff, um, you're going to, you know, get your first glimpses of what they are and they hid what they were going to be, uh, throughout the preseason. You know, the, I think the greatest example of like, um, oh crap, that's what it's going to look like. Like, wow, that could be fun was like Chip Kelly in 2013 when they came out and they ran like 52. Fifty three, something like that. Snaps in the first half uh, against Washington. That that first week one game it was really fun to watch. So uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, sort of curious to see if uh, you know they'll be they'll be a fun team to watch both offensively and defensively this year.
1: Could say a similar thing about Arthur Smith though in his first game as a new head true, coach. True, true, true. Um, but anyway, Jimmy, why don't you tell me about a very special person in your life,
0: Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors? Uh, she's the greatest. This is a well known fact. The greatest realtor. In the history of the universe and her phone number, you can talk to her. It's a like she's the greatest realtor in the history of the universe. You can actually talk to her. Like, I don't know how you couldn't take, take up that opportunity. Uh, but her number is 856-906-9295. Uh, you can also call or text her. Of course, you can also go to
1: roachrealtors.com. Uh, if you are looking to buy or sell your house, Brandon. There's also this little contact form I see on roadtreeleaders.com. I'm looking okay. at it right now. So, you can also, there's like an email. You can type out a message in there if you want to, you know, do it that just, way. So just, so te- just text her. <laughs> text her. Well, I'm don't, just saying. All right. I don't, don't do that. I don't, I don't know if that instead. works or not. So <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just saying it, you, there's different sure things on the but... site. So, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But, you know, I guess text her if, if you really want to do that and be direct. So, do that. And we will be back after this. <laughs>
0: Kristen Roach of Road Trail Tours, Road Trail Tours, Road Trail Tours, Kristen Rocha of Road Trail Tours, she's the greatest! Eight five six nine zero oh, six nine two nine five. Eight 906 906
1: 9-2 Back here on our final segment of BGN right now, final segment already, Jimmy. The time is flying by. We're having fun. Yeah, we're, we're what at, off 40, to,
0: well, at the least? Well, I guess the, you guys are probably after
1: the commercials and stuff, like forty-two minute mark. Yeah, doesn't feel that way at all. Feels like we're like fifteen minutes in. We're flying by. We're we're in prime form. Positive vibes only going into week one, Jimmy. But now it is time for our NFC East picks against the spread. We're going okay. we the entire division, which is a little redundant with NFC used to mixtape, but it's even better because RJ <laughs> isn't here um, and Jimmy is instead. Uh, we have to start, Jimmy, with the game that's on tonight. So um, hopefully you're listening to this before the game has been played. Uh, the Cowboys, Jimmy, are 9.5. Oh, it's underdogs. up to 9, huh? 9.5? Okay. 9.5. Jimmy, how do you take it? Well, <laughs> 9.5 is a big number now.
0: I guess uh, the Buccaneers. I and the reason that. I Maybe guess that jump is but. because uh, I guess there's just confirmation that Zach Martin isn't gonna play. Mm-hmm. Uh Zach Martin is, of course, their all-pro right guard. He has COVID. Um and then at right tackle, uh Lyle Collins like missed a huge trunk of their training camp with uh next stinger. And then of course Dak Prescott um missed the majority of their training camp, didn't play at all in the preseason games with I mean, first of all, he's recovering from his gruesome ankle injury of a year ago. Uh, that kind of just got forgotten about because he he missed most of camp with uh, a shoulder injury. And that's nothing new for him. If you recall, uh, in the 2019 season, he came into Philly and just did not look anything like uh, what he normally looks like because he was... Playing through a shoulder injury in that game, the Eagles wound up winning the division as a result, partly as a result of, uh, of that game. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the reason why they're 9.5 point underdogs because Cowboys like have talent. Uh, they're on paper, one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, I have, n- but in this game, like I have no concerns about the Buccaneers being able to score on this trash Cowboys defense. Uh, but with Martin out and with, Uh, Lyle Collins uh, potentially not playing at all. And if he does, he's battling through like what, what is a very annoying injury. And we don't know what Dak Prescott's going to look like. I am not uh, as confident that the Cowboys will put up a lot of points on the bucks. So I'm going to lay the
1: nine and a half. I'm going to take the bucks minus the nine and a half over the Cowboys. Very disappointed in you because I wanted to be the one who bet (laughs) against the Cowboys super hard. Uh, but whatever. We'll both do it. I, Jimmy, Mike McCarthy stinks. He's a buffoon. Dak Prescott (laughs) is getting way overrated after like Dak Prescott has been so romanticized after getting hurt last year. It's like people act like he was like the MVP of the league before. Oh, oh, such. I mean, it was a shame how he got hurt. Obviously, I agree with that much. But like, it wasn't like oh, like he he was on a really you know great pace. Like it seemed like statistically last year, statistically. But like. RJ even admits this like that wasn't sustainable that wasn't going to happen over the course of a season and also it wasn't even leading to success like some of those numbers were happening because they were getting down They and were they one got and the ball three so right times. in the four games they yeah. played and they were one retired. and three and as I've talked about before, it's kind of like in basketball sometimes where like, uh, like you might be putting up a high score, but the other team is putting up an even higher score on you. Like you're getting the ball a lot. So that's why you're able to put up more points. You know what I mean? That my point is like the pace was higher. Okay. That, so yeah, the Cowboys were putting up more points in part because their defense was so bad and they were getting so many possessions because they, <laughs> the defense kept giving them possessions to yeah. work with because they couldn't stop anyone from scoring. Um, so I think the defense will be a little bit better for them this year, just because I don't think it can be as terrible as last year, but I don't think it's going to be good at all. Um, so I, I just don't buy the Cowboys. And I think that shoulder thing is more significant than people are really, uh, leading, uh, letting on. He was on a pitch count the entire offseason. And again, I don't think but it's when he that- was
0: even able to throw, like there were times where he couldn't throw at all.
1: Exactly and I don't think it's like he's going to come out tonight and he's like going to be like the worst quarterback in the league, or he's not going to be able to throw it all. He might even have a good game, but I think that shoulder thing could like pop up again later down the road. So, uh, that doesn't have to do with this game, but it's just something I'm definitely thinking about. I think Zeke is cooked. I'm not buying, oh, he's had this great offseason. He's back. No, the touches aren't going away. The many, many touches he's logged on his body aren't just like disappearing. So uh I'm going to take the Bucks who have a lot of continuity. That's been talked about way too much. It's like all 22 starters returning and everything. <laughs> yeah. and it just- is legit, though. I mean, it is, but it's just like we. Can't, yeah, I'm, just tired I'm, this, t- I'm tired yeah, of hearing. I'm tired of hearing about it too. It's but the I mean, number one talking point, yeah, like, yeah say yeah. something new about them. Uh, <laughs> right. I think their defensive line is going to create a lot of issues for a Cowboys offensive line that I think is a little more suspect than people are also uh thinking it is, especially with Zach Martin not there. Mm-hmm. So I think the Bucks win this by like comfortably. I'm going to say at least by ten points. So I will take the Bucks to cover this game, and I can't wait to rub it in RJ's face after the Bucks <laughs> win. Okay. And bury the Cowboys season after week one. Uh, Jimmy, the next game is the Chargers at the football team and the football team are one point favorites at I home. I saw
0: that too. That flipped at one point. The Chargers were mostly favored in that game, uh, also by one point. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a, it's a tough, it was a tough game for me to sort of figure out. Um, what I think, uh, the Chargers did this offseason, which was smart, was they put a ton of resources into their offensive line. Uh, they signed Brian Balaga. They signed, uh, the center from the Packers. Uh, his name is escaping me. Uh, they drafted Ray Slater in Murray the first Henson. round. Yes. Um, so like that was a big problem area for them in, mm-hmm. in recent years. And I think they did a lot to sort of shore that up. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they have Joey Bosa and I think they have a good, uh, defensive front. So where I think like Washington's, I mean, obviously Washington's like their biggest appeal as a team is their defensive line. And I think that the Chargers, I mean, I guess it's their biggest te- It'll be like a huge early test for them, Um, uh, you know, whether they did enough to shore up that offensive line. But I, on paper, it looks decent enough to me where I think they'll be able to sort of withstand, um, you know, what Washington can bring in that regard. And for me, like Justin Herbert is just way better. Then Ryan Fitzpatrick, like Ryan Fitzpatrick has these weird, like pockets of brilliance where like, he can look like all of famer one week, but I mean, far more often, he just looks like the guy that's on his ninth NFL team. So, you know, if you're betting on sort of great Fitzpatrick uh, week one, I don't think that's a very good bet. And uh, I think the Chargers are just overall a more talented team with a much better
1: quarterback. I don't think it's a lock.
0: I don't either. Like they because... can totally win this game, but I, I do have the Chargers winning this game
1: and Ron Rivera's an experienced coach and Washington's at home and Fitzpatrick like you said one of those like heater games could be in week 1 like that could come and he could yes. he could this like look flawless, and and it's like well
0: he like 20, 20 uh 19 he did that uh no 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 2018 he did that where like he the he had huge yeah, he game against the, the Saints and then uh and then against the Eagles <laughs> like he yeah. had a he had a huge game so yeah he he can come out firing uh, I will say I actually did look at that because I was wondering if like that could be like an angle that, that I looked at. Uh, but he, his first game in 2019, they lost with Miami, they lost, uh, 59 to 10. Wow. <laughs> and then, yeah. and I mean, uh, with, on one of the worst rosters in the NFL, of right. course. And then, uh, in 2020, uh, last year with Miami, they lost, I think to the Patriots. Uh, whatever, whoever yeah. it was, they only they they put up Our like bills, ten maybe ten yeah. points or something like that. It was a very low offensive uh, production game for for them. So I don't know. Uh, like, but like you said, you can get like a, a heater game out of
1: him unexpectedly. So I like the charters this year a lot, Jimmy. And if you listen to the SB Nation NFL show, gentle listener, which you should, and if you aren't already, please follow, rate, review, subscribe, that show, where we're talking not only about the Eagles, which we do, but all the teams as well. It's good stuff. Check it out. Uh, but if you did listen to that already, you heard me talk about how we, when we did our predictions this past week, Jimmy, for MVP... And coach of the year, I have Justin Herbert winning MVP. I think he's going to make a big really? year two leap. Okay. Just like we saw Carson like Wentz. Wentz do. Mm-hmm. Just like we saw Lamar Jackson do. Like that, that happens. Sometimes these quarterbacks make these really year, big, big year two leaps. And in part because he was like one of the most pressured quarterbacks last year in terms of like the amount of drop. But I think he had the second most dropbacks total under pressure. Okay. And they upgraded the offensive line. Like they said, another guy you didn't even mention, I believe his name is like Matt Feeler. Oh yes. On the Steelers. Yes. And like, he was like a solid guy too. So they really upgraded, I think along that offensive line. And I think that's uh, a big deal for them. I also, I'm buying Brandon Staley. I think he's a good coach and I don't think it's just like, he knows how to run a defense. I think he's like a good coach. Um, he has an offensive, some of a, of an offensive background in his past too. And, and obviously working with Sean McVay, I think probably, you know, probably helped a little bit, at least, you know, I, I know we like to joke about that a lot, but like having some, some of that experience, you know, he he kind of has a pulse, at least on what's important. So, uh, I like the Chargers a lot and therefore that they are getting a point. I will take, I know it's only one point. I will point. take yeah. that singular point. <laughs> so that's my pick. So we're both in lockstep so far with our first two games, which brings us to the third game which the Broncos are on the road and they're favored by 3 points at the New York Football Giants Stadium in North Jersey MetLife. Yeah, the Giants offensive line is trash. <laughs> and uh you know this
0: Broncos team um like I when I took a look at them and I kind of like what they have. Uh mm. I like their secondary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um they have some uh, nice pieces in their front seven, of course with Von Miller. And, um, Shelby Harris and, uh, Bradley Chubb, of course. And that's enough for me to just, I mean, they're going to create disruption, uh, for Daniel Jones. And, um, I don't, necessarily think that the Giants are going to be able to run the ball very effectively with uh, you know with or without uh, Saquon Barkley depending on whether he plays or not Uh, I don't know what the latest on him is Uh, Mm. maybe you have looked into that I don't know but um, it's not 100% we know that for me it's just it just boils down to their offensive line is trash and I don't think they're gonna win very many in fact I have him I have them picking fifth in the 2022 NFL draft. I think they're going to be that bad this year. The giants With their pick, not, the, not their pick. they the bears. Pick, pick. Their, yeah. I think the bears are going to be bad too. So they mm-hmm. might have two really high picks, but, yeah. uh, I, I don't, I don't like, there's nothing about that giants offensive line. That is in any way appealing to me. And, uh, I, like I wouldn't take any, I, w- I would not take a single one of their players and have them start on the, uh, Eagles offensive line right now. Uh, so that's how yeah. bad I think they are. Um, and yeah, I think the I think the strength of that Broncos, de- uh, the Broncos team is their defensive line. They have so, they also have like, uh, their offensive line is, is decent enough. Um, uh, Bowles, the left tackle has really kind of come along, uh, as, uh, as he's grown into the league. They have some young, intriguing skill position players, especially at the wide receiver position in, in Judy and Hamler and, uh, Cortland Sutton is, is back now. Um, Teddy Bridgewater isn't necessarily like, You know, like a super appealing quarterback, but he's also a guy that like doesn't make a ton of mistakes. So I think that's fine for what they are as a team. And it's just good enough to beat the Giants.
1: Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater can get you to, well, last year, the Panthers were at like seven and nine. Yeah. Like he can get you to like And the Broncos
0: have a better roster than them.
1: Yeah, so I mean yeah, again I'm not a big teddy guy, which is also why I think this could be a winnable game from the Giants just because if he has like just like I know he doesn't necessarily always make mistakes, but he has some like really lackluster games I've seen from yeah. him that are just like oh my gosh, like this guy can't do anything. Um I I can't take the Giants in good faith just because like you you outlined <laughs> it well. Their offensive line just isn't good. Um it's young, but doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, right. That, that uh, that's
0: that's even like I think that's even more of a detriment to them. Cause they're not only, they're not only bad, but they're also young inexperienced, no cohesion and, uh, and like in an experience. So like, like if they're, you know, that might be fine for like long term, but in the, in the right now, it's not good to be young.
1: I also think. Saquon, based on what we're reading, like isn't a hundred percent. I mean, I I saw Javril Preppers basically admit that one of his okay. own teammates. Um And I think for the Giants to have success this year, I feel like Saquon is going to have to get healthy, and they're going to have to kind of ride him to like a big Demarco Murray like season. And you know, naturally, uh, Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator there, so I think that's like the goal in theory or the plan. But I mean, if he's not a hundred percent, and he's he's not, they they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, and then even if he is, I I wonder the, about the viability of that. So, uh yeah, I just there's no like what is there to feel great about the Giants what are you pointing to and feeling amazing about like you know they have some good quarterbacks I think they can actually you know maybe keep Teddy under I mean not uh, never really hard to keep Teddy under wraps I think they can kind of keep those receivers in check to an extent I don't know that it's going to be like a total blowout but the Broncos are only getting three um and, and I was tempted because you know there's a there's a thought out there that you should always bet on the home dog just because of trends or whatever, but mm-hmm. I just can't. No do thanks. It. So it's, yeah, it's boring. We're both going to take the Broncos uh, with three over the Giants. Now comes to our Eagles at Falcons prediction. We're also going to get into a season prediction after we predict this game specifically. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you start? <laughs> the Eagles are. Jimmy's mom's phone is ringing. Ringing right as I'm about to throw it to him, he's gone from the.
0: All right. So, uh, the recap of that was the cleaners were supposed to come today. Uh, they apparently are not, and they're looking for another day. Oh, and they're looking for another day that they can
1: come instead. So the <laughs> Eagles are 3.5 <laughs> underdogs at the Falcons to me. Who do you have? Uh, I got the Eagles. Uh,
0: wow. Yeah. Uh, Which is weird to me. How are they, how are they 3.5 point underdogs? But like when the, you know, the, the the classic line of thought is like the home team gets three points. So like people are saying the Falcons are better than the Eagles. How exactly is that? Like we're looking at a team that went four and 12 last year. The Eagles went four, 11 and one. So they basically had the same record. The Eagles had like a ton of injuries that the Falcons kind of didn't have. Like the Julio Jones was out for a big chunk of the year, but like. Comparatively speaking, like, there's a lot more reason to be optimistic about this Eagles team heading into the season than this Falcons team. Like, I just don't get the, the, uh, the, the line of thought that they're better than the Eagles. Uh, we already outlined, um, sort of our, you know, what we think are going to be reasons for optimism in this game, which I think outweigh, uh, substantially the number of reasons for concern. Um, again, most notably that the Eagles are, in my opinion, should, uh, on paper and on the field (laughs) it's like they should dominate in the trenches uh to be you know we'll see if they actually do but i think they hold huge uh advantages uh on on the offensive and and defensive lines and like i think this is just one of the worst teams in the league this falcons team and uh if the eagles I'll, i'll put it like this if the eagles can't win this game then (laughs) <laughs> We're pro- it's going to be a really long season for them because like, this is one of the games on their schedule that, that they can reasonably and expectedly win. So, uh, so I'll take the Eagles and oh, oh, and you're giving me three and a half points too. Fine. Yeah. I'll take them.
1: Taking them straight up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if the Falcons win this game, like, I don't know that they're winning it comfortably. Like the three and a half, especially the half point, I can see it being a three point game if they lose. Like that's a pretty tempting, uh, that half point there. I think, so I have a couple thoughts here Jimmy, as I often do. And that's why I have a podcast to, to talk about the thoughts that I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what the Falcons are. So in my weekly question air that I do with like the opposing, you know, writer from like the Espionation site, the opposing Espionation site mm-hmm. this week, uh, shout out to Dave Choke from the Falconholic. Hey. I asked him, like, my number one question, the lead, was like, what are the Falcons? Because I don't understand, like, (laughs) what is their identity? Like, what is this team? Because they're a team that I thought, after getting rid of uh, Dan Quinn and uh, Thomas Dimitrov, that like, okay, this is a chance to kind of wipe the slate clean. You get rid of Matt Ryan. Mm -hmm. You totally start this thing over, in part because... There's just, like, been so much bad juju with this team. They've blown so many leads. It's like they need to, like, erase the losing culture, which I think is a a term that I don't love but I think is kind of a real thing sometimes. They need to, like, get all that stench out of here from winning the Super Bowl. Like, they need to turn the page from all that. And to their credit, they did it in terms of getting rid of the head coach and the DM. Like, the quarterback is still here. Some of the players are obviously still here, which you're not going to get rid of literally everyone. But, like... The ones they, I just don't know though, because then they get they keep Matt Ryan, they restructure him, so they're not rebuilding, they're not going to draft a quarterback, they're not going to do a hard reset, but then they trade Julio Jones. Like if you're all in to win now and make the most of mass, Matt, <laughs> right? Mo, make the they didn't get a lot of for him Matt either. Ryan's, and they got well, it's a draft pick. They didn't even get like a player. They got something that's not going to help them now. They're not going to win now with that move. Like that's that's just such a weird. Well, Would like, they get a two? I think so. Yeah. It's like that, and I just don't know what they're trying to do. Like, is this a team in transition? Like, I don't, I don't totally get it. So, uh, that might not necessarily matter in an individual game, but like, I don't feel like super amazing about their outlook when they don't have a clear one to me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't get exactly what the vision is. So that kind of makes me not feel great about them. Not really scared of Matt Ryan, but like, I don't know. This isn't like a cakewalk game for the Eagles because it's Nick Siriani's first game. I think, I think every offseason, Jimmy. There is something that it's very easy to like overlook as a concern. Mm-hmm. I always think about like Juan Castillo being, you know, promoted to do. I mean, <laughs> right. I'm not saying the Eagles have this going on to be clear. <laughs> right, I'm right. saying you going into week one, you're always looking at the Eagles very with a very rosy view. A lot of people are not necessarily everyone, yeah. but a lot of people, the majority of people, and that's fine. I'm, I'm not talking down on that, but I'm just saying, like, you I think that's have every team by the way. Sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's my always, that's my point too, with like the Eagles and trying to keep things in perspective. Like, a lot of, like, every team out there, except maybe the Texans, and I bet you even Texans fans, some of them out there, like, (laughs) maybe this isn't going to be as bad as we think. Like, every (laughs) fan, for the most part, believes in their team going into week one, and they should. And again, I'm not trying to talk down on that. But the point is, like, there's there's concerns that you might overlook sometimes. And I remember that being with Juan Castillo, like people by the by the time week one arrived that season, people were talking themselves into it. It wasn't like it was when he was hired and like, this is insane. Um. And I think maybe we're glossing over about how Jalen Hurts was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league last year, if you're just going off some of his numbers, and how Nick Sirianni has never called plays before. Like maybe we're kind of glossing over that too much, and there could be some growing pains and all of that. And how Jonathan Gannon has never been a defensive coordinator, and how this staff is very young. There are some things here that like they're they're just not proven. So. I don't think that's enough to, to take me to for me to take them to lose, but I'm just saying like, I kind of have to think about that and totally not uh, just like take that for granted. Cause those things I think could matter. This isn't an experienced team that's been there before. There could be some mistakes made and that's fine. It doesn't mean the whole era or the season is doomed just because of that. But I just think, you know, in game one, there could be some, some issues that arise, but, um, but ultimately uh, I think the Eagles have enough going for them on offense I like I, we talked about that Falcon secondary. I think that if the Eagles' receivers can't make plays against that, then I just I just don't have a right. lot of hope for them. Right. Um, I, for as much as Miles Sanders, I have kind of concerns about him in the passing game. I think he's able to kind of break off some big runs in mm-hmm. this one. I think the defense, which looked pretty good in training camp, isn't going to be perfect because I think, again, you have to kind of put some respect on Calvin Ridley's name, on Russell Gage's name. I think Kyle Pitts is going to have some big plays, some big moments, but I think the defense can kind of hold on enough where the offense can uh, outpace what the Falcons are able to score. And I think the Eagles win this game, start the season 1-0. and I will say uh, we'll get into this very soon. But I feel like the Eagles win one of their first two games and almost only one of their first two games. I think they're starting off one and one. So if they lose this one, I'll feel good about them beating the 49ers. But uh, I have them winning this game, let's say, by a score of 27 to 24. We'll keep it real classic. Okay. I think I had uh, I had to submit them to Matt Mullen just uh, uh, earlier this morning.
0: I think I had it at 26 to 24.
1: Okay, so really close. Funny. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't. You know, obviously, I didn't see that. I don't think that's posted right, right, yet. So. It didn't it didn't get published yet. <laughs> so why don't we go with our season long predictions real quick here, Jimmy? Okay. Um, what do you have them going this season? Previously, you had them at what six? I had and consistently 11? all off season had them going six and eleven,
0: but after some encouraging, four encouraging days during joint practices and just sort of like the um, the. Progression that I saw out of uh, Jalen Hurts uh, throughout the entirety of training camp leaves me a little more optimistic on the Thursday before the Eagles play their first game, week one. I am now at seven and 10. Wow. Boom! Boom! Bumped him up a game.
1: How about you? So I just did a prediction with uh, RJ Ochoa that aforementioned RJ Ojoa c- secret Cowboys or, or secret Eagles fan. It p- portrays himself as a Cowboys fan. It's a, it's a lie. It's a gimmick. Um, on the NFC East mixtape, we predicted the records for all four teams. Jimmy, RJ did the Cowboys and, uh, Giants. And I did. Let's, Eagles let's do to
0: that too. Team. Well, why don't we give our records for the other three teams too? As long no, as we're here. no, you don't you want to do that. You have to listen
1: to no nope, Cause you have to listen to that. Oh. Podcast well, I so can I long. do mine then? Because I didn't, okay. I wasn't on that podcast. Uh, no, you can't do that either. Um, <laughs> Just because it's going to annoy you. So, uh, I have the Eagles. I had the Eagles at nine and eight when I did that. I had them originally at eight and nine. And again, uh, I told you that I kind of felt like that was on the high end when Mm. we did our schedule and you thought I was like going high with that. So I'm, I'm really being a coward. I'm in between there. I'm in between that eight and nine. I think, I don't think they win double digit games. I will say that I feel confident that they do not win double digit games, but they might be able to get up to nine, but eight and nine, nine and eight around that range. Um, where do you have them finishing in the NFCs? So why don't we do that? Like what place do you have Third. them finishing? So I have okay. it Cowboys, uh Washington Eagles, mm-hmm. Giants. Okay. Yeah, I think Washington actually wins the division again. Okay. I think they will I think they will. And then I think the Cowboys Ending the finish... streak
0: that has been I alive
1: know. since 20... 2004 was the last time any NFC's team repeated as uh, division champs. So then I have the Cowboys second and then the Eagles third, and then the Giants fourth. So we're kind of in lockstep on that. Um, I think that's it, Jimmy. Any final thoughts by you before yeah, we wrap up? I'm going to give the rest of my NFC's prediction. So I'll
0: go you nine jerk. and eight for the Cowboys, eight and nine for Washington,
1: and then five and 12 for the Giants. Man, I told you not to do it. I need to do <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, it's my final thought. Yeah, that is fair. You can say anything you want in your final thoughts, Jimmy. While we're in our final thoughts, real quick, uh, I'm going to get to a question that we had. Oh, we, okay. we have to answer these. and I've been bad. I'm getting to all these. We're, we're going to get to them. If we don't, we haven't already. Uh This is from Anthony D. Ayers on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Uh, great show is the title of the review. I've been following the show since the beginning, and even before the reband, rebrand, which was in 2018. The hosts are great and provide great Eagles content. Everyone needs to follow the show. Obviously, agree with all of that. From Anthony, the question though, Jimmy is looking to buy a jersey, but would mm. like a recommendation on a sure pick on a player that won't be gone too soon. Any right. suggestions? Well, do you want to
0: handle this one, or uh, I feel like whenever these questions come in, I answer them. Do you want to? Do you want to do? It? I, I can certainly I, answer this if,
1: if you'd like, but I'll I, give you first. I'll give you right a first refusal. It's Brandon Graham. I think Brandon okay. Graham makes... I mean, he, so the question here was, like, won't be gone too soon, but that doesn't matter He'll to me. He'll play for like, a few more years, I believe. But even if he is gone after this year, which I don't think will happen, but even if he was for some reason, like, it's Brandon Graham. He made the biggest play in Eagles history. He's a great guy. He's not a guy that you're going to have to worry about, like, getting... Oh, I, well, I, I at least, knock on wood, hope, like, getting canceled or something, and <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, doing yeah. something terrible. Like, right. he's a good guy you can root for both on and off guy. the field. Super family guy. kid. Yeah, and you saw that if you watched All or Nothing. Like, Brandon Graham, to me, is I, – I, I truly believe this, and I probably will write a feature about this one day. He is, like, the quintessential Eagles player to me. Like, he is what a Philadelphia Eagle looks like. If you look him up in a dictionary, and for some reason there's a picture in a dictionary, like, Brandon Graham is a Philadelphia Eagle. So – and it's a good number. I think 55 is a good number. So, yeah, get a Brandon Graham jersey. If, especially if you like the number five because you get eight of them on your shirt. Number fifty-five will always love you. Uh, <laughs> did you have an answer that you wanted to give? Brandon Graham is a good one. Um, yeah, it, I think Fun this kind off.
0: of I think I think this question sort of uh, highlights the fact that the Eagles don't have many good young players, <laughs> like good young proven players. Anyway, that you know are already good are definitely going to be here for a while. And <laughs> I don't know, whatever. So uh, I would say Miles Sanders, but you, no. who knows if he's going to get a second contract. Yeah, don't do that. Devontae uh, Smith, baby. Devontae Smith is a good one. Landon Dickerson, maybe, but I don't think you can, like, you know, I don't think you can, I mean, because he's going to be 69, too, or he, he and changed he gets to 69, a lot, which is funny. So, like, <laughs> but he gets hurt a lot, as you said, so who knows? Um, yeah, I think I like your brandy Graham answer. Okay. You, along um, the same lines, I think you could also uh, – you know, Jason Kelsey is is every bit mm-hmm. as uh, sure.
1: Is sort of like uh, yep. a good a good choice for all the reasons that you named for Brandon Graham, one hundred percent, and it could be a potential future Hall of Famer. Yes. Um, different discussion for another day, though. Jimmy, my final thought is I'm excited for all the Bleeding Your Nation coverage we have going on on the feed beyond the show. So if you're not listening to those episodes, you should. because There's a lot of good stuff out there. I mentioned the NFC mixtape with RJ Ochoa. Obviously, we have Rachelle and Mark breaking it down on the, uh, the QB show reboot. So we have that going on. Jimmy, Rachel just did an interview with the Eagles starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts doesn't show a lot of personality, but Rachel got him to like open up a little bit. So everyone should definitely check That's out that. That's a big that. deal. Uh, does, I know. Does Jalen Hurts do a lot of podcasts? No. Um <laughs> now, you know, this is a promotional thing, but hey, uh we made the most of it out of it, and I thought it was really good, so you should check that out. It's also on the feed. Also coming up on the feed, not out yet. Uh and also should shout out Seamus from the Bleachers. Obviously, he is an episode. But uh, coming up on the feed after the game, Jimmy, on Sunday, we have our new edition. This is the first podcast we're doing since we announced that news I had been teasing that Aitan mm-hmm. Shander will be. Hosting the post game shows this year, so check him out after the game. We'll have that streaming live, so you can react. And Aton wants to make it an interactive show. Like he wants to hear from you, so you can you know write in or call in or whatever. We have we'll get that set up. Um, So you can kind of get your feedback in there and interact with him. And uh, I believe Jess will be joining him on that show. So it'll be really good stuff that you don't want to miss. So rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. So you're seeing it all. Also check out the SB Nation NFL show, which I plugged earlier, which has a lot of good content on it right now, getting you ready for week one and everything and then reacting to week one. I will be on those shows on Tuesdays, the Oddcast, the Off Day Debrief with Rob Stats Carrera. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gautin. Follow Jimmy Kempsey on Twitter at Jimmy Kempsey at bgn underscore on radio is the place to follow us on twitter for the podcast at bleeding green for the website bleeding green for me jimmy philly voice is at uh jimmy is at philly voice.com you can get go get the best snacks in the world which you will need for week one or the rest of the games if it doesn't get there in time by going to right and getting yourself some right to craft jerky using discount code bgn 15 you want it go to roachrealtors.com if you need a house and you talk to Christian Roach of Roach Realtors who you can also text or call at 856-906-9295. All right. Those are all the plugs. It's time to get out of here. <laughs> and Goodbye. here's hoping for a positive podcast that we'll have next week with an Eagles win and the Cowboys loss as well. Yeah, actually on our predictions, we ha- we, didn't note- we didn't note this, but we have the Eagles at
0: 1-0 and everyone else at 0-1. Commanding commanding opening to the season if it pans out that way. Boom. All right. Goodbye, everybody.
1: PGN.